Here's Tom Ezern with this week's Plainsfolk essay. By all accounts, Franz Rickaby, the young instructor of English and theater at the University of North Dakota, was lovingly devoted to his wife Lillian and she to him. They were fully engaged together with the students in Grand Forks, teaching, directing plays, even leading singing of the university fight song, which Rickaby wrote. But when the students departed campus for Christmas break in 1919, Rickaby hit the road in open country, preceded by posters and press releases from the university. On the 29th of December, the Grand Forks Herald reported that Rickaby was in our dock on the first round of a 10 days speaking trip through the state, but assured readers he would be back in time to meet classes on 9th of January. The paper recounted the already legendary story of how Rickaby in August had walked, really hitchhiked, his way from Charlevoix, Michigan, to resume his duties in Grand Forks, where he had begun teaching in 1917. On the 10th of January, 1920, it reported how, after making a hit with the people in Ardoch, Rolla, Omimi, Souris, Rugby, Leeds, Brinsmaid, Flora, Bremen, Wellsburg, and Surrey, Lecturing under the title, My Fiddle and I, Rickaby indeed was back in the classroom. Let me point out that this was no summer stroll. This was hard travel across the northern tier of the Flickertail State in midwinter. Rickaby traveled by rail as far as he could, but then he depended on the kindness of strangers, and connections would have involved transport in open cars, wagons, possibly sleighs. Even though Rickaby had a serious heart condition stemming from the rheumatic fever that had afflicted him when he was in school at Knox College of Illinois, and his doctors had told him he had only a few years to live at best. Rickaby's granddaughter, Gretchen Dykstra, who knew her grandfather through her grandmother and by the personal papers she preserved, recounts the circumstances and motivations of Rickaby's journey with his fiddle. He was, she says, one of those song catchers, ballad hunters of the early 20th century, who saw their work in both literary and moral terms. Responding to the admonishment of the godfather of American balladry at the time, George Lyman Kittredge of Harvard, to set down the names and dates, preserve the words and the music. Rickaby had a large mission, and only a small amount of time. It was during this fiddling and collecting tour of North Dakota, or another similar one organized by the university, that Rickaby enjoyed the hospitality of a Walsh County farm woman, a Canadian immigrant named Sarah Nielsen. She sang ballads for him. I imagine it was at a kitchen table that she sang. Oh, bury me not in the deep, deep sea. These words came low and mournfully from the pallid lips of the youth who lay on his cabin couch at the close of day. Because Rickaby had read and been inspired by cowboy songs and other frontier ballads, by the Texas ballad hunter John Lomax. He surely realized, as he jotted down the stanzas sung by Mrs. Nielsen, that he was listening to the progenitor to the Western folk song, Bury Me Not on the Lone Prairie. 
more formerly known as the Dying Cowboy. And here, stirred by the sparse documentation of the scene, my imagination takes me inside the head of the songcatcher. Being warmed by the kitchen stove and by the ballads, mindful of his own mortality. For in five years, Rickaby would die in California, having retreated there on advice of physicians who told him he must cease roaming the northern prairies. Dying cowboys of balladry always tell their stories. I have more to tell you about the songcatcher from Grand Forks. Tom Ezern is a distinguished professor of history at NDSU. You can find his Plains Folk essays and all of our podcasts at prairiepublic.org.